Some Christians have been told that belief in a young earth is a recent belief in the Protestant Church. But what did the Reformers believe about this topic? Today on Creation Magazine Live. Get ready for faith-encouraging information starting right now. And for even more, visit creation.com. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. I'm Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. Our topic today is, and this is really kind of part two of one that we did last season. Yes. Uh, we're talking about what did the Reformers believe about the age of the earth and what Genesis says. Right. We did a, a show last season, season three, episode 11, uh, that was titled, What Did the Church Fathers and Reformers Believe About Genesis? But of course, uh, time ran out and we never did get through the Reformers. Yes. So. Yeah. Now, that's right. You, and we, we, can, we want to encourage you to look at that show. You can go to creation.com slash cml3-11. You see the link there on your screen and, uh, and have a look at the details there. Um, that was kind of a fun show to do. That's right. <laughs> now, to, to recap, in that episode, we pointed out how many Christians have been taught that biblical creation or young earth creation uh, specifically uh, was not the standard church history. Uh, this has been specifically taught by progressive creationists uh, like Dr. Hugh Ross, yes. who's made yep. statements like this. Many Christians having, uh, have been taught that the first, through the first 17 centuries of the church until the Industrial Revolution in the scientific age, there was general agreement on the, 20, or on the six 24-hour creation days interpretation. But this is not what the literature shows. A majority of those who wrote on the subject rejected the concrete interpretation of Genesis creation days as six consecutive 24-hour periods. Now, for those of you who watched that episode, what you're going to find is that the, the statements that Hugh Ross made were absolutely wrong. We went through point by point looking yep. at all those different uh, church fathers, and uh, uh, Hugh Ross says they disbelieved in a young earth. That's not the case at all. That's right. As a matter of fact, we, we kind of blew the idea that the, the church fathers didn't believe the earth was young right out of the water and even showed that those who didn't take the, 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 the days as literal days still believed in a young earth. Right. Yep. Now, now, Ross has made other statements um, uh, um, like this uh, to, to advance. He, he's talking about uh, that first show was about the older church fathers, but he said things like this. Throughout the dark and middle ages, church scholars maintained the tolerant attitude of their forefathers towards differing views and interpretations of the creation time scale. So now he's saying even after that period, right? And uh, he's implying that, that all the way through church history, there was a tolerant, which is a good, of course, postmodern buzzword. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that there was this attitude towards different views on Genesis. And, and this is what is repeated in, in many Christian circles. I've got it at Q&A times when I'm doing presentations, sure. et cetera. Yeah. Now, the, the most, um, I, I guess before we continue, we can ask the question, why does this matter? Right. I mean, well, yeah. What does it really matter what the church fathers or the reformers thought about what the Bible says? Aren't, aren't we, shouldn't our final authority be scripture and, and who cares what the church father said and so on? There's these kinds of questions yeah. that we can consider. Yeah, who cares what some theologian says, right? Right, but, yeah. I mean, obviously the implication here and why, why Ross is, is advancing these things is that if there was a lot of confusion, about Genesis, if if there are a lot of different opinions on the age of the earth or or what the days really meant or, or anything like that, then then the text must not indicate somehow just a plain reading six day young earth creation. That, right. that that's the whole reason why he's using this type of argument. Yeah. Now, so then the opposite opposite view should also be true. If the majority believed in a literal Genesis, then it's most likely that that's what the text plainly says. The people throughout church history who've studied the scriptures carefully, they, they provide for us a good guide to 
what the scripture actually says. Right. His whole argument here, and the reason he's advancing comments like this is, look, if, if none of these people believed in young earth or, 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 uh, or just a few of them believed in, in, in young earth or, or six literal days, then obviously the text must not mean that. But if we, okay. can, if we can turn that around and show people, wait a sec, that's what most people did believe, then, then there's strong evidence that, that, that these ideas came from a completely different source, etc. Well, let's kick this off. We'll start it off with uh, Martin Luther. Some people may have heard of him. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yep. He started the reformation of the, of the Christian church, championed the idea of sola scriptura. Basically, if it's not Scriptural in the Bible, realm. forget it. Right? Yep. And uh, he lived from uh, 1483 to 1546. And, and by the way, uh, we're going to be uh, speaking about the dates of when these uh, certain people lived and, and what certain things were written at certain times. So we'll, we'll pay attention to those dates as we, uh, as we go through. Because Ross has said dark and middle ages that those those are the dates we want to look at here. Right. So, yeah. so we're going to walk through the dates and show you what people believe. Right. So Luther made uh, bold statements about Genesis, very, very clear, and the days of creation, uh, like the following, for example. He, Moses, calls a spade a spade. Uh, that is, he employs the terms day and evening without allegory, just as we customarily do. Luther went on to say, we assert that Moses spoke in the literal sense, not allegorically or figuratively, that is, that the world with all its creatures was created within six days as the words read. If we do not comprehend the reason for this, let us remain pupils and leave the job of teacher to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love Luther, the way he uh, very, explains very clear. some of these things. Yeah. Uh, notice what he says, as the words say. Yeah. He, just, right? yeah. he also said the following at a different time. We know from Moses that the world was not in existence before 6,000 years ago. Yeah, so is this confusion? Is, is this confusing? Is it unclear in any way? Hard to understand. It's not hard to understand. It's crystal clear. Yeah. Uh, Martin Luther believed in six day, a, a six-day literal creation, six days, six literal days, and, a, and God created recently. Very, very clear in his writings there. Yeah. Uh, how about John Calvin? Obviously, another major uh, reformer there. He lived from 1509 to 1564. He also made very clear statements about the age of the earth. Yes, he did. Now, in, in this coming quote, Calvin was refuting a claim by some in the church that God had created in an instant and that the right. days were symbolic. And we talked about that in the, you know, in the episode about the church fathers. Some would believe, believe that, right? That the days were alleg uh, allegorical, even though they believed in a young earth. However... Right. Uh, he, he said this, Here the error of those is manifestly refuted, who maintain that the world was made in a moment. For it is too violent a cavil to contend that Moses distributes the work which God perfected at once into six days for the mere purpose of conveying instruction. Let us rather conclude that God himself took the space of six days for the purpose of accommodating his works to the capacity of men. Yeah. Again, quite clear there. Um, he also said this in his famous book, The Institutes of the Christian Religion. They will not refrain from guffaws when they are informed that but little more than 5,000 years have passed since the creation of the universe. Right. So we can note here something. I mean, even for him to make this statement, there were ideas about long ages, right, right. outside yeah. of the church. Yes. Uh, but, but Calvin was arguing, well, this is what the Bible says. And, and uh, so, again, is this hard to understand? No. John Calvin believed in a literal six-day creation and a young earth based on what Scripture plainly said. 
Right. What else do we see uh, around this time period? Well, how about the, the Hack Bible, H-A-A-K? It was produced with a commentary by Reformed theologians in the Netherlands in the 1600s. So we're moving, uh, moving forward a bit. Their comments on Genesis, this is in the, in the heyday of the, of, of the Reformation, yeah. showed what the leading scholars of that time believed. The comment on Genesis 1 verse 5, uh, translated into English, reads this way. And God created the light day, the light day, and the darkness he called night, and then it had been evening, and then it had been morning the first day. The meaning of these words is that night and day had made up one natural day together, which with the Hebrews began with the evening, darkness having been before the night, and ended with the approach of the next evening, comprehending 24 hours. Right. So a little bit... I mean, it's hard to read some of these old commentaries sometimes, but we, we get the point. Is this really hard to understand? No. It's pretty clear. Yeah. It's these, abundantly clear. These scholars got together and they made a statement and, and, and they all believed in a literal Genesis. Six days, yes. young earth, uh, you know, because we've we got to notice the only place to add millions of years is in the six days of creation. So right. they believed in a young earth. It's very, very clear what some of the key reformers believed about Genesis. They're not ambiguous at all in their, in their writings there. God uh, meant to convey, and they got this from the scripture, that he created recently in six literal days. Exactly. Now, after the Bible itself, historically, uh, one of the major statements of faith uh, for many Presbyterian and Reformed churches is the Westminster Confession of Faith. Right. Now, statement 4.1 uh, in the, the uh, confession is very unambiguous. It says, It pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost for the manifestation of the glory and of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness in the beginning to create or make of nothing all uh, the world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. Seems yeah. pretty clear, right? Pretty, pretty clear. But there are certain revisionists, uh, Hugh Ross being one of them, right. uh, who claim that in the face of all the evidence that the Reformed, when the Reformed confessions, when these confessions were written, that the church did not consider the length of days, but only that God created <laughs> That is, because the text did not explicitly state that the days were 24 hours in length, they were allowing for uh, the possibility of longer days. Right. However, the Westminster Confession, uh, the statement clearly follows the language of Calvin, saying that in the space of six days, uh, there's no room in the language there for anything other than, um, than a recent creation in six days. Right. There was no need to state the obvious. That would be like an employee asking his boss for six days of vacation. Doesn't need to explain that he means that, can I take six you literal 24-hour days? Yeah. Or, or, or maybe that's six months or 6,000 years that he wants vacation. You don't have to state that. It's obvious. Right, right. So uh, we've seen Calvin, the Hack Bible, the Westminster Confession, uh, reflect the normal Orthodox view of the Reformed faith. And, and even more importantly, we, we, we have more explicit statements uh, to countering what Ross just said from, from the Westminster Confessions framers themselves. Right. Uh, the Westminster Annotations is a five-volume set of uh, annotations on the scriptures and uh, first printed in 1645. Notice the timeline right in the middle of the setting of, of uh, the Westminster Assembly. And here's a quote. The first day consisting of 24 hours had, as some think, for the first half of it, the precedent darkness, 
and for the other, the light newly created. The night they take to be meant by evening a part of it, and the day by the morning, which is a part of it also. And according to this, the Sabbath, being as large a day as any of the rest, and so containing 24 hours, is measured from even to even. Leviticus 23:32. The Romans and other Western nations reckon the 24 hours from midnight to midnight. The Egyptians, contrarywise, from midday to midday. So, far from what these long-age supporters would have Christians believe, not only did most Christians support a literal genesis, but uh, even from secular sources, uh, we, we can look at some of them. They also confirmed that this is what the scientists of the time, uh, yeah, scientists of the time believed as well, yes. right? Yeah. Um, here, here's a quote from Cambridge archaeologist and historian Colin Renfrew. As far as Newton was concerned, for an educated man in the 17th or even 18th century, any suggestion that the human past extended back further than 6,000 years was a vain and foolish speculation. <laughs> There's some of the greatest scientists we've ever had. Um, it's, it's, it's just all so clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've heard from people that have, that have said, well, the long ages must be true because Hugh Ross is a scientist yeah. and he's a professing Christian. Right. So well, you got to trust the scientist. You, you got to trust the scientist. Uh, but well, well, Newton, Isaac Newton, was the greatest scientist who ever lived, <laughs> right. and he was a young Earth creationist. Right. He wrote more he was, on the Bible than he wrote on science. Right. And, but it's kind of a silly argument. You've got scientists against scientists, but it's, it's right. Ultimately but I mean, if you were going to go by by that criteria, well, he's a scientist right. and right. he's a man of God, so we got. Well, then Newton should win, right? That's right. He's the be, he's Even the better by scientist. That criteria. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and yet, look at what, what Ross has said regarding church leaders through history. He, he said this, Perhaps most significant is that nearly all the key figures acknowledged that the length of the creation days presented a challenge to their understanding and interpretation. Those that did not implied the same in their studious avoidance of any specific comment on the subject. I mean, how more... Um, you know, key could the figures of the Reformed Church be than Calvin and 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 uh, yeah, yeah. and Luther, and 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 you know, again, even secularists like uh, secular author Rap, uh, Jack Repchak, he's writing about how non-Christian uh, James Hutton popularized millions of years by right, his you okay. know his writings. Um, he says this: all Christian churches believe that the Earth was not even six thousand years old. This belief was based on rigorous analysis of the Bible and other holy scriptures. It was not just the devout who embraced this belief. Most men of science believed that, uh, believed that the earth was young. In fact, the most famous of them all, Isaac Newton, had completed a formal calculation of the age of the earth before he died in 1727. And his influential chronology confirmed that the biblical scholars were right. That's incredible. Yeah. So here's a skeptic. Right. That gets it right about church history, that people plainly believed in young earth. Right. And Hugh Ross, a professing Christian, how can he get it so wrong? Just go look at the history books. Yeah. What we've just done here uh, is to recap in this show and, and between uh, the other show that we did uh, in season three, episode 11, uh, is that there, what we've shown is that there's been an unbroken chain uh, you know, a belief in a literal genesis by the majority of church leaders all the way through church history. Right, right. Um, far from what many long-age supporters like Hugh Ross would uh, would have people believe, you'd, 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 it would be a much shorter list to come up with the people who didn't believe in in, in uh, literal six days and uh, and young earth. So, I mean, you think about it. If there's been this unbroken change all the way through uh, people in the church, uh, what happened? 
I mean, why were so many people believing in six, six days young earth? Uh, and then, of course, uh, in the 1800s, there's this shift we see in the biblical literature and the commentaries. All of a sudden, they're, they're allowing for millions of years that wasn't there before. So what happened? Yeah, well, it's, it's been well documented. There's no real secret there. In the late 1700s and early 1800s, people like James Hutton and Charles Lyell began popularizing the idea of millions of years. Right. And that idea became very popular, and it started to infiltrate the church. And uh, um, many in the church capitulated. Right. Well, these, these guys are scientists, or they thought they were scientists, and, well, they, they must be seeing millions of years. We've got to add it to Scripture. And so the idea was to go with man's fallible ideas over and above Scripture, and it was all downhill from there. Right. Because people started to realize something. If, in this type of thinking, if God's Word doesn't have the ultimate authority then obviously you're going to start veering from what, you know, people that take God's word as authority, what you're going to see. And right. Here's a good example, Princeton Seminary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the otherwise great Presbyterian uh, theologian Charles Hodge, who was the second, uh, you know, overseer of, the, of, uh, of Princeton, he, he admitted that long ages, you know, that, that, that didn't really seem to fit with what the Bible plainly said. But nevertheless... He allowed for it. He said, well, even though it doesn't fit, then, then maybe we can, you know, science can be accommodated, as, uh, et cetera. And he said this, it is, of course, admitted that taking this account, Genesis, by itself, it would be most natural to understand the word day in the ordinary sense. But if that sense brings the Mosaic account into conflict with facts, uh, what he thought millions of years were, and another sense avoids such conflict, then it is obligatory on us to adopt that other. Yeah, and he even called uh, Darwinism rank atheism. <laughs> he and, did. Uh, and we wouldn't maybe use the same. We'd use the same terminology today. Yes. But once the teaching of millions of years had had been allowed to enter Princeton, um, we see his successor, B.B. Warfield. He took the next logical step, calling himself a Darwinian in the purest water. Interesting. B.B. Yeah. Warfield. Yeah. Uh, later on, he would say, I do not think that there is any general statement in the Bible or any part of the account of creation that need be opposed to evolution. Right. now, B.B. Warfield. This is incredible. You, you went for, of course, he's, he's absolutely wrong. You, you look at evolution, you look at what creation says, yes. it's two diametrically opposed he's right on many other things in theology, That's but wrong right. on that aspect, yeah. How could you have one Christian leader think that Darwinism was rank atheism, and yet you know, within a very, very short time, you've got another saying it's completely compatible with the Bible. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why, because the, the slippery slope of compromise, <laughs> you know, that, that that's how. It's this liberal idea that somehow the Bible doesn't have to mean what it plainly says, mm. and yet it yeah. is still somehow authoritative. Well, which parts then are authoritative? Because if I get to choose well, which parts... That's the problem you run into, right? Yeah. If I get to choose which parts are authoritative, guess who's the authority? Me. Right. Not God. Right. Which is and, not and that's right. the problem. And and skeptics of the day were already taking advantage of that kind of a thinking, of that weakness. Uh, here's a quote from Darwin's bulldog, yeah. as he was nicknamed Thomas Huxley, uh, where he points out he, he points to theologians who aren't accepting Genesis as real history. He says this what about the authority of the writers of the books of the New Testament, who on this theory have not merely accepted flimsy fictions for solid truths, but have built the very foundations of Christian dogma upon legendary quicksands? Right. Christianity is rooted in Genesis, that there was a perfect creation marred by sin. That's why we need a Savior. The New Testament writers knew that. 
And Huxley is saying, how can you be a new... Right. He, he, be a he's, he's being more intellectually honest, actually. He is. Right? Yeah. Now, there's a book uh, written by Dr. Jonathan Sarfati on staff with our ministry called Refuting Compromise. And if you want... Great book. Yeah. The, the, basically, the uh, primo book in this area to show you why uh, the scripture means what it means and you don't have to take into these other compromised positions, this would be the book that I would suggest for you. All you have to do is go to our website, creation.com, look at the resource center, and uh, and you can see uh, what this book is all about in detail. And I would really encourage people that are watching, that are struggling with this issue, that are really looking for solid biblical answers to check this out. Yeah, well, let's get into another statement that uh, uh, Hugh Ross made about Archbishop James Usher. Ar- mm-hmm. Archbishop Usher was a, a historian, a Hebrew scholar, and uh, um, uh, who's, his creation date of 4004 B.C. has appeared in many Bibles. Right. And um, uh, here's a quote here. Both Lightfoot, another chronologist, and Usher ignored Hebrew scholarship and assumed that no generations were omitted uh, from mention in the biblical genealogies. They also assumed, based on the wording in the King James Version, that the numbered days of the Genesis creation account could only be six consecutive 24-hour periods. That's Hugh Ross making a comment on Usher's chronology. Right. Now, not only did he make this statement, uh, but this it, here's a rather unkind depiction of the great scholar. He, he put this in one of his publications, showing him with a with a dumb look on his face and counting his toes to make him look stupid, and and and, and ask me about Amway Dunscap on him, uh, th- that kind of thing. This guy was a scholar. Right. And here, Hugh Ross is making fun of him like this. Yep. So the charges uh, here are that one, Usher's the cause of much confusion about the Genesis days being literal. Okay. Two, Usher ignored Hebrew scholarship. Three, Usher assumed there were no omissions in the biblical genealogies. And four, it was the King James Version wording that made them assume the days in Genesis meant six real 24-hour periods. Well, number one, um, Usher wasn't the cause. We've already seen that uh, people believed in six-day creation because that's what the Bible said. So right. number one's wrong right off the bat. Yeah. Number two, Usher was a Hebrew scholar. <laughs> he didn't need to rely on the English King James Version. Yeah. Uh, and so was Lightfoot, the other, the other biblical chronologist, the other historian that Ross mentions. Yeah. Um, how would Ross, who's not a Hebrew scholar, uh, know that Usher ignored <laughs> Hebrew scholarship? Uh, as, as a matter of fact, if we look at what uh, Professor James Barr uh, said, and, and Professor Barr is professor of Hebrew and interpretation of Holy Scriptures at Oxford University in England. He said this about Genesis. Probably so far as I know, there is no professor of Hebrew or Old Testament at any world-class university who does not believe that the writer or writers of Genesis 1-11 to intended to convey to their readers the ideas that... Creation took place in a series of six days, which were the same as the days of 24 hours we now experience. And the figures contained in the Genesis genealogies provided by simple addition, a chronology from the beginning of the world up to later stages in the biblical story. So on that point, Ross is also wrong. Right, which leads to number three, omissions in the genealogies in Genesis. You can see Barr said that there was uh, meant to be an unbroken history, no gaps. And... uh, Anyway, we could get into this, but uh, to make it easier, the article uh, on our website, uh, creation.com, biblical chronogenealogies, shows that there's no uh, gaps there. And as far as point number four, what does the translation of the King James uh, version of the Bible have anything to do? You can pick up any English version of the Bible and you can tell that it was a straight-up six-day young earth interpretation of the Bible. Um, So Ross is off base here again. 
Yeah. Now the, these. Uh, th this is kind of a continuation on from the from the last time. But I mean, the more we study Ross, and you have said this too, uh, the more uh, flaky his views become. And uh, uh, anyways, we'll we'll continue. I'm sure on another show in the future. See you next week. Creation Magazine Live is a production of Creation Ministries International, the publisher of Creation Magazine and the minds behind Creation.com. If you want to chip in to support our ministry, go to creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.